2: set the edge on a tackle that's you know trying to reach him and you know take us outside is, is he going to be able to do that is he going to have enough ass to set the edge on that uh make- what do you mean by that what do you mean by that
1: enough what? ass is that what you said
2: yeah is he going to have what's enough ass? yeah i mean what's that
1: measure what's the st- like, i missed that it's like
2: is he you know does he weigh enough
1: We're finally here, ladies and gentlemen. Football season, two weeks, baby, is uh, approaching quicker than I could have anticipated, and and because of that, with that in mind, we got to continue to churn out content, continue to churn out the preseason content, preview content that you're expecting from from the podcast here. I'm Jacob Land. This is Matt McGavick, Vincent Lococo from the Pink Seats Podcast. And we have got a really good episode for you in store. I'm really excited to keep things moving here into week three of our season preview series. Tonight, we'll be joined by Dave Skull, uh, everybody's favorite Louisville media personality. Biggest Biscuit is a name that you may also know him by. Uh, he's a frequent visitor on uh, ESPN Louisville 93.9 Neville with uh, Mark Ennis, as well as Drew Diner in the mornings. Uh, and Dave is a wealth of football knowledge, but also one of the funniest and uh uh, just one of the greatest guys. I have not met him, so I'm just telling you this through secondhand information. I'm assuming he's, that's true. Maybe we'll find out he's a dick tonight. The
0: trivia I partner.
1: I have heard that. <laughs> uh, and if I had more time, I would have done a really good trivia segment. But unfortunately, not tonight. Maybe for next time. We'll, we'll use that as the bait to get Biscuit to come back. But we are really excited to to continue the preview. Uh, Louisville football as we're just now a little bit over two weeks away from the season kickoff against Syracuse tonight we're going to dive in to two position groups that will be extremely important and two groups that we can get uh, really really excited about last year I remember doing these and Matt and uh, you and I before we uh, brought Vince into the fold we're like well this was a great episode then the next one we're like well that was a really bad episode because we just had to crap on an entire position group for 30 minutes uh, oh we won't my be doing
0: gosh yeah. yeah I I remember that you recording the intro for the, the defense you're like that episode was great this episode so is not going to be so cheery,
1: <laughs> yeah. But tonight, not the case. We're going to be able to to have a good time, talk some football, uh, and that's because we are previewing the running backs and the linebackers tonight with uh, Dave School. I know he's a little bit disappointed that he didn't get the offensive line. Uh, but you know, when you get an opportunity to get Alex Cupper on the show, you do so, and then you move Dave to another position group. And as he told me, we're just going to get it back to the offensive line every single time. So we are really, really in store for some unique conversation tonight. Uh, Bringing the the humor of Dave and the the football expertise that you know you can find here on from the Pink Seeds Podcast. Um, I'm really excited about this, but uh, let me go ahead and bring you heard Matt here. Vince, how are you, buddy? Great to I'm see doing, you.
2: Doing well. Just, you know, reading over the show notes, making sure I'm all, you know, in order and stuff, realizing <laughs> that that was the episode that I was listening to in the office where I was like, man. These guys—they really need some help. They need a third guy. A third <laughs> guy so I was, that's where I reached out and everything. So you got your that's Superman,
1: your Superman Louisville yeah. football cape on to come and rescue. Yeah, so so we've been to save like the day, the hero you are. Yeah, we've got <laughs> no. a lot to get into tonight. We're gonna, like I said, dive into the running backs and the linebackers. There's some really interesting storylines to get into there for each position group. We've got a game of fact or fiction. Fact or fiction that we're going to get into uh, for both of those position groups. And then I've got a fun little segment here where we're going to build a Louisville running back in a laboratory. We'll get into that once Dave joins the show, but Matt, you're back from vacation. Are you rested and ready for a long football season? I'm disappointed that there's no tan, there's no braids. There's nothing to indicate that you've been in the Caribbean outside of a few articles that, you wildly were posting while you were on the beach in Antigua. Please tell me yeah, you got some crazy. sun, something, J- man. Jacob.
0: I am a bald man with a very Scandinavian and Irish background. I do not tan, I burn it. That's- it goes burn and burn peels, it goes straight back to white. That, I
2: You probably have a laptop uh, tan line from the out, you know, from where you were just sitting there. The whole <laughs> I, had track, a,
0: right? I had a sunglasses tan line <laughs> for a few days. <laughs> if Matt
1: stood up right now, you're no doubt he's got a laptop. Just the Most
0: people outline. pass out with the drink. Matt
1: passes out with the laptop. Well, Matt, I hope you had a great time. And, and ben, we talked yeah. a little bit about this, but I think, Matt, you can get on the train here of the all-inclusive resort being the best possible trip for yourself and a a partner or a spouse. Uh, My wife and I did it for our honeymoon almost six years ago. Cannot believe that we're going to celebrate six years of being married here in just a couple of weeks, but we did it and it was the greatest trip of my entire life. And when my kids are screaming and they're pulling my hair and, you know, they're spit up on the floor and one's pooped their pants. I think about my trip in the Caribbean, Vince, and so I just gotta tell you, when you get a chance to go with Emmy, you've got to take it because it is an experience that yeah. will be forever life-changing for you. I would say I, th-
0: I think the best part for me is not only wasn't inclusive, but it was adults only. No so kids. it was already quiet. Yeah, no bad. And not only that, like it wasn't it wasn't the true like on season for resorts. It was like phasing into the off season, so it was super quiet. So had a lot to drink, had a lot to eat. Had a lot of quiet. It was amazing. And I had a lot of sun because I got sun poisoned on like the third day. <laughs> wow, Matt. Now next next <laughs> vacation, we're gonna have to give Matt some lessons on the beach
2: because are you are you SPF one hundred, Matt? 65 65. (laughs) (laughs) explains the lack of a tan here.
1: Well, before we bore you and we, you turn the show on us, uh, we're going to go ahead and jump here to to, uh, Dave Skull joining us to talk running backs and linebackers. Uh, But before we do so same spiel, I give you every single week. If you're not already subscribed to the show, be sure to do so from the pink seats podcast, anywhere you get your podcast, I will stand by. It is the best Louisville football content that you will find. I am biased. Okay. I, I will admit that. Uh, But I believe it is great Louisville football content. We do our our best here to bring you the best guests, the most, uh, you know, in-depth analysis that you can find out there. Uh, And we hope that you'll subscribe and and continue to tune along because we are getting into the season content, which is some of my favorite episodes that we've done. And almost uh, coming up on the one year anniversary of Mr. Lococo joining us. uh, And to celebrate that, we've got a new look, which we will unveil here in a few weeks. I'm excited about that for the show uh, but follow us on twitter at pink seats pod you can follow these two guys at vincent Lacoco at matt underscore McGavick. be sure to check out the louisville report of sports illustrator where you can find the great journalism of matt McGavick. and you never know he might be coming from a beach when he's writing articles about tyon evans which maybe we'll get into some of the quotes that matt found to be great while he was on the beach and then of course uh, you know follow me at jacob lane 8 but anyways give us a follow we will be right back with dave skull All right, we're going to have some fun here tonight on this episode. We go ahead and welcome in the man of the hour, Mr. Biscuit, Dave Skull. Dave, welcome into the show. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm glad to uh, finally uh, chop it up with you guys, man. We've been
3: looking forward to this for a long time, and time like the present. That's right. Excited here.
1: That's right. It's 14, 15 days away from the football season starting, and you're fresh off of a move. How are you feeling, man? You ready to go to fall camp tomorrow after that move? or like, Are you, you feeling <laughs> younger, older? What, like, just tell me, give me a breakdown I, of how the body's feeling today.
3: I'm going to be honest with you, Jacob. I got an extension on my move, uh, so you're still seeing my walls. That I haven't taken the Ollie pictures off of yet, so <laughs> I'm sitting on my couch, my table, and these Ollie pictures, and not a whole lot else in this place. But we'll we'll get it done. We'll get it moved. <laughs> hey, slow <There's>, and sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's nothing worse uh, than moving. It's I awful. Tell you that. I I'm I only 29, again. but I've moved probably seven, eight times. I yeah, and I told myself I, we talked about this before. The way to go is to hire movers. And, you know, hey, if any moving companies want to come on and uh, be partners here, we will gladly promote them. And Dave will get you some movers, man. We'll get, to, so we'll get you set I'm, up for the move.
3: I've been doing radio for like five plus years, and I still haven't figured out that I'm supposed to finesse for free stuff. <laughs> yeah, you just
1: got to be like, anybody want to
3: want to help me out with a move? Two and by the, the way, am I, am I allowed to cuss on your podcast?
1: Anytime. Oh, yes. yeah. Okay. All
3: right. Rip them off. All right, good, good. Because I don't know, I'm not very good at editing. I had to do that for three hours already today. I can't do it for another however long this is going to be.
1: Yeah, well, we're, we, this is uncensored from the pink seats late at night. I don't think our Chip. audience will be... <laughs> anybody's welcome to come on here and cuss like that's just we'll just open it up to the cuss line all right i want to start before we get into louisville football i want to just kind of take a step back here and think about uh um uh, another another galaxy where louisville's football program doesn't have a great offseason. You consider where we were when the season ended after the lost air force to Kentucky game. Um, and, and if things didn't go the way that they did, we're going to be in this world that Nebraska finds them in right now, where Scott <laughs> Frost, I mean, if he just Ooh. says something, it's the wrong thing. Like if he wears a red shirt, he should have wore a white shirt. And I think that Scott Satterfield would have been in a very similar situation had he didn't get the recruiting going, the transfer portal hop in some really nice coaches coming in. Uh, but there was a quote today that was tweeted from a, an article on Nebraska football. Which Matt, we got an up close and personal look at Nebraska football last year with with Aaron doing a Luke McCaffrey show uh, for the entire <laughs> yeah, three minutes good, that he stayed what, here. What good that what did us, us I tell you.
3: <laughs> yeah, Luke McCaffrey, that's that's one that's going into the annals of just the never quite was in Cardinal history.
1: <laughs> but much Along like with no fly zone. Much like Louisville with uh, Nick Cardwell, Nebraska hired a new offensive line coach, right? And so they've got a new guy in there. And that's that's always a position group that turns over when you're trying to kind of reset the foundation and and kind of the culture of your program. Uh, But this quote just caught my attention because it's hilarious. Like, I don't know if he was trying to flex. I don't know if this is like a... A brag, or I don't really know what this is, but the tweet basically uh, indicated that uh, Scott Frost at a media availability talked about how many times his players were throwing up during practice, particularly the offensive line. The quote says, um, "It says offensive line coach Donovan Raiola is coaching his position group intensely." Frost said to the point that he estimates that there are fifteen to twenty vomits every practice. So, Vince, the first thing, I, I've got to start with you, okay? You've been in um, much more serious practices than I- any of us have. You've been in some fall camps yourself, but how often do players throw up? Like, is 15 to 20 a little bit outrageous to think about a, a coach? Well, Again, well, but braggadocious about his players vomiting because of how hard they're playing.
2: Well, I, I would say, like, 15 to 20 is a bit much, but fun facts are, you know, award-winning listener, Robbie Bell, used to throw up before every single practice our (laughs) freshman and sophomore year of college every practice it didn't matter what it was I mean he could have nothing on his stomach and he's going to puke on his way out there And it's like football players just take such pride when they throw up. They just do it and then keep going.
1: I mean, like, obviously, you know, I say this every week and our audience knows I'm not a football player, but when I throw up, I feel like my life stops for just a couple of days. Like it's like food poisoning or I drank too much. Like I'm I'm like begging my wife to let me just stay in bed for a little bit longer. And these guys are out there throwing up in the middle of a play. Like it's just amazing to me. Uh, and so, basically, I've got to ask you, what are your thoughts on Scott Frost here? And can you imagine a world where Scott Satterfield said this to the local media? <laughs> no, I can't because he's just not the – I mean,
3: clearly Scott Frost is going for football guy vibes, you know. And uh I, I, we had throw-ups. Uh, we puked back in, in, in our football, the John L days. You know, there was plenty of pukes, but 15 to 20 is egregious at any point. Uh, and, and to say that's happening like day after day is – He's got to be exaggerating. Like, he's he's got to be exaggerating, right, Vince? I mean, I'm,
2: well, what are you feeding your kids? That's my that's I my question. Now, I would go to the nutritionist because it sounds like your kids are getting food poisoning. Right, he's actually, going to the training
3: table, literally, right before practice, like right before, <laughs> <laughs> like have, have four bowls of chili. And going the, <laughs> no, yeah. the pro
0: the protein they're getting must be from Chipotle. Yeah, yeah. Add, a, add a glass right. of milk before practice.
3: Unbelievable. But yeah, like it's 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 not always it's it's one of those ridiculous looks when coaches like seem to take pride in something like that. Like and they're like, no, no, they're just working hard. They're in shape. Like, no, they're, they're either not in shape or you're being excessive, whatever it is. Your players shouldn't be puking 15 to 20 times a day. Not a point of pride, coach.
1: I'm really worried. Uh, like the reason
3: why you're like four and eight or three and nine or whatever it is. He's
1: just working them hard. I think they love it. if you throw up 15 to 20 times, would you say that you <laughs> loved it? <laughs> like, I can't. I just, like I said, my life ends when I throw up. So I had the thought of you are an office fan. There's a scene where Pam asked Dwight not to peel his eggs while she's pregnant in the middle of the office. Mm-hmm. And then she, she throws to throw up, up to prove her point. And then Aaron throws up and then Kelly throws up and then Andy throws up and everybody throws up. So is this one of those situations? Maybe just trying to kind of understand the dynamics where one of the offensive linemen throws up and then the rest of them just can't help themselves. And so they also throw up like maybe. So you
2: you either have an in shape O-line or a very mentally weak (laughs) O-line. Like, I mean, what do you have there? They're throwing up because of that. Pick your poison here. Thank God that's not us.
1: All right, let's move into what we came here to do, which is talk about the Mm -hmm. football season Uh, that is just two weeks away. Specifically, the running backs, the linebackers. Last week, we looked at the offensive line and defensive line. And Dave, I am really sorry me that week. Couldn't call me that week, could you, Jacob? Well, here's my thing though. Like you, you gotta uh, you gotta put yourself in my shoes. And this is gonna sound bad yeah, when no. I say it, but we had, you know, you got an offensive lineman who played in the NFL, and he's very I interested know. in talking about the um the running backs <laughs> give you a great opportunity to talk about the offensive line, the thickness. Oh, I know, it's
3: just gonna be the offensive the line, pancakes,
1: okay. the pancakes, the 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 movement, the hand fighting. Um, all those things that we can get into the offensive line but uh, before we do that let's talk about just a general update on the position we've done this with each of our position breakdowns so far this uh, preseason Uh, just giving you an idea in case you've been living under a rock or not paying any attention to Louisville football in the offseason of what the roster kind of looks like Um, this position for Louisville is the least uh, in terms of turnover but also uh, the most impactful in terms of uh, new players coming in, in my opinion. Uh, gone is Aiden Robbins. That's the only player they lose from this position group from a year ago. Uh, and I, th- thank you, okay, thank you, Matt. You did just drop that in there. That's a good one. I did miss Hassan Hall. That's my and first Murray's miss. i the
2: Yeah, uh, Yeah, I can't forget him. <laughs> I was gonna try to move on past that. Just, just let that. No, kind of, no, no, he's, like, he's a walk-on in my class. I have to honor that one. Okay, well, my opinion Jacob, changes because I did one forget out of, Hassan. One hall.
3: out of three is pretty good, though, bud. Thank you. He'll <laughs> <That'll>
1: get you <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, look, okay. we might get through this podcast, and you know, look, I've missed some guys, okay, but it would be. <laughs> you know, I would feel much worse about Hassan Hall if he didn't fumble the, as many times as he did. And Vince it just awoken a beast by putting him on here because now I feel like I have to talk about him.
2: <laughs> it was, I it was definitely frustrating, especially the ones against Georgia Tech. I mean, you're in Atlanta; that's your hometown. I was kind of expecting team a three touchdown game instead of a three fumble game. I love Hassan. I hope all, wish all the best for him at Georgia Tech, but uh, you know, yeah. it know, didn't work out here. That's happens. right. That's right. Okay. And
1: then now I'm still trying to kind of, as I leak confidence here after missing two names, I, I'm going to try to move on into who's coming back for Louisville, which is an extremely important bunch here. You get Jalen Mitchell, Louisville's leading rusher back from last year, Travion Cooley, who was a standout freshman, uh, and then as, uh, as well as Jawar Jordan, who um, I don't know if it means anything. It was the Air Force Bowl game that they lost, but he showed out. He looked great. Had a kick return, looked like the uh, one of the better running backs that we've had in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield in a while. Uh, so definitely exciting to have him back. And then incoming, you bring in Tyon Evans, which the guy can do a backflip, and he's got thighs the size of a minivan. I think we need to talk about this, okay? This is – this is important. Do, you stuff would be a this.
2: terrible recruiter. You, Why? You did this just with that. Trevor Reed, and you're doing it with Tyon. You're like, they can do a backflip? Back He's got to be a solid football player. Got it, no, no, man.
1: <laughs> Backflips per per square inch. I don't. know. That's a good. That's a good measurement. they going to end
2: up
3: with uh, just like five or six figure skaters on the team.
1: <laughs> I will say though, if they could ever find a way to incorporate a backflip or a front flip into a football game. You may lose me. I will will die.
2: I will die. I would (laughs) die.
1: Yeah. But, and then you bring in Maurice Turner, uh, who is a uh, athlete slash running back slash slot receiver. Um, I'm actually interested to see kind of what he becomes this year. We're going to get into all that as we dive into the position here, but let's just kind of start and open this up to the group. Um, what do you guys think in terms of overall for the running back room? Is it, the, is it the group you feel the most comfortable with? Is it is it a group that you
2: feel like Sats finally got his crew? Or In, in my opinion, I, this is the room that gives me the most confidence. I mean, you have three guys that I feel comfortable with before you even add Tyon and Maurice Turner into the mix. So you just add Tyon into that, which he could end up being the one uh, opening up. And it seems like they're all you know running backs that fit this offensive style where they kind of slow play at the start and then see the hole and just hit it, be it a cutback, cutback lane or a stretch in the outside zone. Uh, so there's a lot of depth here and it seems like all these guys too, which I like wouldn't mind sticking their nose in there for a pass block. You just hate, hate having soft ass running backs that get blown up into the quarterback and cause a sack and things like that. So I, I like this group. I don't know about you guys. Oh, absolutely.
0: I, I think in terms of the actual depth, I don't. I don't think they're the deepest. I think well, no, they're deep. But what I'm saying is, I think the offensive line is probably the deepest. But I think this is probably the most talented because the vibe that I get from this position group is that no matter what the situation is, whether that's you know first and ten, second and seven, third and long goal line, it, all of these backs can provide something. And like, no matter what the situation is, you can just, you can say, okay, I'll put this guy in or I'll put this guy in I'll put this guy in and you'll feel confident that like, well, no no matter what play call you dial up, that they'll be able to execute their specific job on that play, whether that's to throw a block or run out of the backfield, run up the middle, run out to the, uh, the zone, whatever. Like this is, this is a group where the talent is so, is so deep and so spread evenly that, I think we might see an even more run heavy offense this year that we've seen in the past, which I know that might scare some people because, you know, football is all about pass, pass, pass nowadays. But I mean, when you've got this many horses in the stable, you've got to use them.
1: I got an interesting statistic for you before day before I let you jump in here. And I wrote this article about Louisville back in uh, this is three years old. So that would have been back in 2019. This is right around this time, actually, right before they kicked off that season. And the stat was that there was five years in a row that Appalachian State with Scott Satterfield as the head coach had a an over a thousand yard rusher as well as one 500 yard rusher. OK, so essentially you're talking about 1500 yards between two players. Um, this is a position group this year. Or this is a group um, where I don't know if you're going to have the one who kind of separates themselves like like JV and Hawkins did back in 2019. But, you know, I definitely think that it's possible to have an a thousand yard rusher as well as somebody who goes for 500 plus. So two guys who kind of take over as the, the go-to guys. And so Dave, I'll ask you, is that Tyon Evans, Jalen Mitchell? Is that, uh, Trevion Cooley? Like you got a number of different guys here who could really have big years.
3: Well, it's a good question. Cause obviously Jalen's the leading rusher coming back. Uh, he's Mr. Reliable. He's also a very good pass blocker. Um, you know what you're getting when you give him the ball, but he's not really a home run hitter. Um, Trevion Cooley, Jawar Jordan, they're more that, that type of back. Trevion was great in the receiving game, which I hope is more of an emphasis this year with Lance Taylor. We'll see. I love what, using the running backs in the passing game. I think it's been a little bit lacking, uh, through the end of Petrino's tenure, and the beginning of Satterfields. I mean, obviously, we all know the unique nature of this offense last couple of years with Malik carrying the ball so much. Uh, he, he had over 1,000 yards rushing himself last year. Uh, I don't think – I think they're going to try to de-emphasize him a little bit uh, and have more design runs for the running backs, try to take a little bit off his plate. That seems to be the stated goal, um, and I'm all for it. That all being said – I have a hard time committing to us having a thousand yard rusher, but I just, you keep side-eyeing Tyon Evans, you know, and going, God, this guy, if anybody is the complete package, it's him. You know, he's so strong and so quick and so explosive. I just feel like he's built like a workhorse that that kind of makes me lean towards the ability to have a thousand yard rusher, but I do think everybody's going to eat you know and 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 everybody brings something unique that i i i almost would say it's more likely to me that we have three 500 yard rushers than a thousand yard and a 500 yard rusher or like you know two 750s and a 500 something like that where the the group runs for 2,000 yards plus you know but no one running back is overly dominant but if there is one I think
1: it's going to be Dion Evans. I think we all could be in agreement that he's kind of the the most yeah. likely to pop. But this year, with the passing game being more of an emphasis in terms of getting the running backs involved, you know, going back, I, I was shocked. Trevon Cooley was actually really good in the in the passing game last year yeah. in terms of catching the football. I mean, he almost had 200 yards receiving, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're playing three, four running backs, I mean, that means you definitely you definitely got got yours. Vince, you were going to say something, man. Go ahead and go ahead and jump in. What would you have there?
2: I was going to say just I I would not be surprised if Malik is even, you know, one of those three 500-yard rushers or that second 500-yard rushing guy or whatever. I I just think that, you know, obviously since Dave's on here, we're going to talk about a little bit more about the offensive line and stuff. So I think with how good our offensive (laughs) line is this year that, I mean, Malik's, Malik's bound to have close to 500.
1: You feel more comfortable yeah. running to the right or to the left?
2: There's an offensive line kind of
1: oriented question for you. I'll let you talk about your tackles and you know what, uh, what you think of them.
2: I feel more comfortable going to the left, to be honest, behind Caleb and Trevor Reed. I mean, I don't know though. It's tough because I like Boone. Yeah, you Same can't really go
3: wrong with Adonis and Renato. Though, like, you yeah. know, it's 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 a good problem to have, man. You know, like I feel like we're we're strong across all five. Like, I I, I love I love Brian Hudson. I I I really I've loved Caleb Chandler since you know the day he stepped on campus. I really loved watching his his growth. I just it's a good problem to have right now with with our offensive line. And you know you kind of it creeps up on you the the Javion Hawkins type. I I love a small back in the zone scheme. You know I feel like they get lost back there and they get the the one cut behind that big offensive line if they got good vision. You know, it's one cut and gone. That's how Javian was. And I keep looking at, at Maurice Turner. He's a little guy, but like if we could get him in that situation <laughs> with that with that breakaway speed, him or Jawar Jordan and Trevion Cooley, they're more of that type of back where they can get lost behind the hog mollies, you know what I mean? And and yep. then just make that one cut and they're past the defense before the defense knows what hit them. Um that's where I have my reservations with like putting too much in tie on and, and Jalen because I I just love seeing the little scat backs in the, in the outside zone. And I think, I think Scott does too. You know, I think, I think he liked, I think he liked that a lot with, with JV and Hawkins.
2: And Vince, you care to comment. You know? Is
1: that, is that a thing? Does he like his, little, his little backs back there?
2: He likes guys that are going to play hard and get extra fucking yards. That's what he likes. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I no you. doubt.
3: Um, I'll put it this way. I know I like those kind of backs and outside zones. You know what I mean? I kind of fall over the idea of it, but if you got a guy like Tyon Evans, who's an all-around back who can do everything, I ain't gonna argue with you.
2: Yeah, I like I I personally like bigger guys back there in the backfield. I mean, just shoot, Derrick Henry's like the best model for all of them. A big 240 yeah. hundred and forty pound running back that runs like a freaking deer. Like I love some big running backs that can hit a <laughs> cutback lane and just really, you know, buck up with a linebacker or a safety ten yards downfield.
1: You don't think there's a thousand yard rusher, or if there is, you know, then maybe there's another 500 yard rusher, but here's a, here's a storyline that I don't necessarily think matters, but it does when you look at how college football's landscape is today. And that's, it's a numbers game, right? You've only got one back, two backs that can play at a time. There's only so many carries to go around when you've got four guys like Louisville has right now that can, that can play running back. um, You worry about, I don't want to say worry, but you think about, is there not? is there a chance where somebody's carries kind of get cannibalized? Do you see that in this system where potentially one of these guys? I mean, we we obviously can, you know, we're not dumb like Trevion Cooley in the offseason. There was a lot of cryptic tweets about you know missing home and things like that. You know, kind of would let you kind of draw some conclusions that maybe he was considering transferring, or it was something that was kind of thought of. My man guys- loves
3: a big tweet. He loves yeah. a vague.
1: Tweet. Oh, he does. Yeah. It, but he loves a vague tweet with Kodak lyrics, which the average fan in <laughs> local football does not know. Kodak
2: black. Lyrics. We it's learned that lyrics. one really quick. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. We texted Mitchell like, "What does this mean?" He's like, "Dude, just listen to Kodak black." You know um, but and then Jawar Jordan, if you remember last year in the bowl game, they talked about he had considered transferring during the season. Yeah, uh, because of not getting any you know any opportunities so is there a chance this year where the can the carries kind of get cannibalized and that forces one one or two guys to a position where they don't get to play and then maybe they consider to the portal is that even crossed your mind or is that yeah matter?
3: absolutely it has it has to cross your mind and in, in the modern age of football that we're in you know I mean it's and I'm all about player agency this is not me like Poo-pooing the the you know one-time transfer the portal not at all I'm I'm all for it, um, but that what comes with that is the stark reality that we're deepest at a position that with our offense often you've got one body on the field you know that's that's generally how it is um, and certainly only one ball to go around so if you've got five guys that are looking to make an impact this year at least two of them aren't going to be happy with the amount of carries they get, you know, at least two aren't going to be happy with the amount of touches they get. Uh, and depending on who it is, you might see guys transfer in the offseason. You can't, you can't worry about that when you're trying to win football games. That's just, that's how it's going to be. And that's the reality of the situation. Now, um, managing, managing workloads, you know, and trying to keep people happy is, is a different kind of game these days. I think.
1: Yeah. And I think success can look different for each one of them. I don't want to buy any means try to try to act like this is a scenario where one of them is going to not be good enough or not get the opportunity. I just think that like, like Dave, like you said, it's the, the landscape of college football where if you don't get what you want, you just leave. Um, But I do think that for Jalen Mitchell, a guy who was the leading rusher last year, I think for him, touchdowns is a statistic you look at because he's going to have a lot of goal line opportunities. I think he has kind of submitted himself as the power back of this offense, right? So he's going to get opportunities where maybe, you know, how frustrating is it for us as all fantasy football players where your running back carries the load 98 yards and then uh, Alexander Madison gets the touchdown. And you're like, no, that was Dalvin Cook's touchdown. What do you mean? Late career Jerome Bettis. (laughs) Right, right. Every maybe time. you know Ch- Trevion Cooley might carry the offense uh, 98 yards down the field as the primary yeah. back and Jalen gets the touchdown or you know I think Joar Jordan is going to be a really big factor in the special teams game as a, I mean he looked like possibly one of the most dynamic punt returners kick returners we've seen since what Corvin Lamb that you know that kind of speed and the, and so I think Um, That conversation is definitely worth having, but it's also worth noting that each one of them do something different, like we've kind of talked about. And I think their success may not be dependent upon overall carries, yards, but maybe, you know, kind of different things for what each of them has kind of been specialized in. Uh, And then one thing I want to ask you, Matt, specifically, and and maybe this is me just reading between the lines too much, but do you feel like you've noticed – players this offseason talking a lot about not getting upset at other players or players within the team, having kind of the humble attitude. And when they see other guys having success, I've, I've, I know I've heard Malik Cunningham touch on the wide receivers, not getting jealous of who's getting, but everybody buying into this team effort. And it's situations like this, where I feel like this team is bought in on the team concept and not so much the individual concept. And they've kind of talked about it a lot this offseason. I don't know if you've, if you've kind of caught that listening to the press conferences as being plugged in from, a covering standpoint as you are
0: yeah no it, it, it's something i've picked up pretty quickly honestly it and plus they even touched upon it um during media day over the off season and over the course of fall camp one of the processes they implemented to kind of get the team a lot closer was that they spent time the players had learning each other's why like why do you do what you do like why what drives you to play football, what drives you to want to be successful, you know, things of that nature. That was that was the main way that they operated over the offseason in terms of trying to build camaraderie, build closeness, build brotherhood, you know, insert football cliche here. That that was, and I think as the offseason has gone on, they've realized they've started to now, now I'm not I don't want to speak for everybody because I'm sure some some players are still gonna want what's best for them and you know rightfully so but i think a lot of them have shifted away from a more self-centered mindset to a more team-oriented one just because of in part familiarity with like the family atmosphere for especially for veterans and then like the newcomers kind of coming in embracing this and just feeling a part of it they they are quick to want to fight for their brother and not just like look out for just themselves
1: yeah i think that's a Go ahead, Vince.
0: I,
2: I think these guys are realizing too that I think Seth and them are trying to hammer in is that, and that I think they're seeing it. The guys coming in are seeing it with the classes that are leaving. Is if we don't win ball games, none of us are going to the NFL. Nobody's going to achieve that ultimate goal of making it where we want to make it to take care of our families and stuff like that. We have to win ball games, and the best opportunity to get that exposure is working together towards one common goal. High,
3: high ties raise all ships, man. And That's always been true. And I would go back to, like, talking about the, the transfer question. They have to have an eye forward to who's coming in next year, too. I mean, it's on. it's got to be on their minds. You know, Ruben Owens comes mm-hmm. in next year, five-star running back, hyped all hell for good reason. I mean, if they're not getting carries this year, if they're not where they want to be at the end of the season – I mean, how could you blame them if yeah. they decided to move on?
0: Yeah, yeah, a really good point. And plus, it it all really kind of depends on how the season starts. I mean, Lance Taylor mentioned, I believe um, it was in media day, he was asked about this question, how do you balance all the carries in the running back room, knowing that you've got four guys who very well could be a starter for you and, and could be power five starters? And he said, obviously, we're going to split carries. There's not going to be one truly ball-dominant, running back but it really depends on how how the game pans out who's got the hot hand who doesn't have the hot hand they're, they're going to ride the hot hand and depending on how the season goes if someone's got the really hot hand obviously Louisville's gonna you know want to ride ride that and if you don't you could end up riding pine for a lot of the season so it, it really depends on how it all starts like if if there's a running back who starts out the season really strong has a and has that good start, I think we're more likely to see them return or like, maybe they go to the NFL. There's kind of a a balance there too.
1: Yeah. And and last thing I'll say on the running backs uh, before we move into our laboratory segment here and Vince, you were there for the prime years for this with Bobby. I felt like, with Bobby, having too many running backs, okay, let me hold on. Let me back up. Having a lot of running backs is a good thing, right? Especially guys who do different things. But I felt like with Bobby, he never could get a rhythm on how to get guys going. He would put a guy in, pull him out, put somebody else in, pull him out, put some, and then you'd have four running backs on one drive going one carry at a time. And it's like, how is anybody supposed to get rhythm when you're pulling them? Yeah, Uh, I wonder if, you know, obviously, I think Scott in in a run first offense, he's been doing this for a long time with a lot of success, has an idea of how to kind of manage that. But it's just one of those things you can't kind of overlook when you have four really good players. Um, Okay, let's move into this segment here. I'm uh, excited about this. I think this is going to be fun. And Dave, I'm going to start with you. Okay. I want to just have you just kind of imagine this. Okay. You are Dave Skull, MD, scientist, laboratorist who runs his own laboratory. Oh, y'all are fucked now.
3: Yeah, <laughs> uh, Doctor Frankenstein, <laughs> Doctor doc, Biscuit,
1: uh, and and Scott Satterfield comes to you and he says, Doctor Biscuit, we've got to build the ideal Louisville running back in your laboratory, and we can only use running backs of Louisville past to do so. We need legs, we need feet, we need finesse. Uh, so guys who are agile, we need length, brain, size. So let me let me let's just run through this. I want you, Doctor Doctor Skull scientists to build the ideal. Louisville running back in a laboratory using only the pieces of former Louisville running backs.
3: Now you might think with the legs the power that I would go with Eric Shelton or Michael Bush but actually I'm going to go with Bilal Powell. That man could churn better than any running back I've seen in the red and black. I mean I always think of the Cincinnati run when he was tackled five yeah. times with minus scrimmage and went 80 yards for a touchdown because that man is not normal uh, and he did it for years for the Jets as well in the NFL. I mean, that guy just he, he has more lower body power and leverage than any running back I've seen at U of L. It's a good one. Speed.
1: So speed? Yep, your speed.
3: Okay. Okay. I was going back and forth between a couple of them and I kind of went off the wall a little bit. Uh-oh. because in my mind, the unrealized potential of George Stripling. Okay was a serious talking point with Louisville football during Petrino 1.0 uh, and the end of the uh, – Lecra- beginning of the Cragthorpe era. He had that game – what was the game where he fumbled twice and Bobby just refused to play him for the rest of his career. That sounds after very broken? Yeah, <laughs> after he broke uh, – there, Vince knows what's up. After he broke like a 95-yard run the week before. Like, it's just – we all saw this amazing potential from George Stripling and then Bobby stripped us of that. So, uh, I want to see George Stripling's legs. I don't have to see him hold the ball. You know what I'm saying? I just need to see the, <laughs> the speed. Good, of his, of that's his. right.
1: The good thing is in this laboratory, you can simply just take his legs. And yeah. You don't need I just
3: want, feet. I just want his feet. I just want <laughs> his legs. I don't need his, his handles. I don't need his arms, uh, finesse jukes and spins. I'm going to go with Javian. Uh, for obvious reasons, take like the water bug length height. I'm going to take Eric Sheldon. He was a monster of a man.
1: How tall was he? I, I that's he like a good early days.
3: days. Yeah, I remember him a good, being
1: a very thick fella, but I don't remember how tall he was.
3: So the year, uh, my, my, uh, freshman year, he was a transfer from Florida state and he was taking his transfer year. So he was scout team every week and he was just an absolute, monster and just punish the first team D in Florida state week when famous rain game. And we beat for state. Um, Shelton was the scout team player of the week. And he always says, I always had a soft spot in my heart for him because he took his, you get a t-shirt for scout team player of the week. And he cut it into like eight or nine different sections. And he gave it to the scout t- scout team O-line.
1: <laughs> what a guy. Well, that's pretty, cool. <laughs> that's that's
3: pretty cool. Gesture, But I wore the sleeve on my, you know, and he wrote, scout team player of the week on each little piece and he gave it to each of us. So I wore the sleeve on my head, you know, underneath my helmet for the rest of the year. Uh, But that dude was an absolute battering Ram. And if you're not, if you're out there listening and you don't remember Eric Sheldon, sometimes he gets lost in the lore, you know, before, right before Michael Bush, you know, they were, you have to understand, we could do this for the 2004 U of L roster alone. They had Michael Bush, Eric Sheldon, Colby Smith and Lionel Gates, who all started games in the NFL. You know, they're just absolutely insane running back room. I'm hoping we're looking at something like that similar this year.
1: Wasn't Anthony uh, Allen in, in that same room towards he the He wasn't end? around
3: until – baby Bush wasn't around until 2006.
1: Okay. So, okay. Shelton
3: was gone. Uh, Bush was hurt. But, you know, Shelton was gone by that time. Lionel was gone by that time. Um, but, Yeah. Brain, smarts, I'll go with Colby Smith. He's a pretty cerebral running back. Um, in size and weight, I'll take the man in myth fledge and Michael Bush.
2: All right. I'm glad, so, I'm glad you picked Colby for something. I feel like people overlook Colby. Oh, man, oh, we used to give him so man. much shit back in the day, too, whenever he was our running backs coach. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I wish you all could have just been a fly on the wall for what, how bad Reggie Bonifant and Jeremy Smith and Malik <laughs> Williams, if you all remember him. Just yeah. used to clown. Oh, my gosh. It was great. Especially whenever he uh, started, he went bald. Uh, they're like, coach, can't see. head shining on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> smart guy, though, right? Uh, he was incredibly smart. See?
1: Do either one of you two want to take a stab at this? Do you, I don't know if either one of you filled out your worksheet here. I know it was a late, a late sin for both of you all, but would either one of you like to take a stab. Michael at Michael
2: Bush, legs, feet, Hawkins, finesse, length—probably Reggie Bonifon on the height. Uh, Brandon Smart, probably Reggie Bonifon, and then Michael Bush as well for the size. You can't right. go wrong with Michael Bush for all of these, to be honest with you. Is the prototype running it's like, back? That's like if you did one of these for quarterback. I mean, like it would just be. Le- it would be Lamar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know though. Cause
1: you would probably, you could see, put Brahms arm or LaFleur's here's the thing, arm though, or something. You, would get into that conversation of, you know, okay. What brain for quarterback? You're going to take Lamar. You're going to take Brian Brom. You're going to take Teddy Bridgewater. You probably take Teddy Bridgewater versus Lamar. When you talk about just smart passing and then people are going to do the whole thing of arguing. Matt, do you want to take a stab at this? No, Biscuit
0: did a fantastic job. These
1: these two guys, they killed it. So, like, I don't feel like I could insert anything else. Vince, you did
0: a good job, too. I'm sorry.
1: So, I just think (laughs) I'll hold off here. But that leads us perfectly into our next uh, segment here, and that is the linebacker preview. And I don't know why that's the perfect segue, but it just is here. That's just kind of how things roll. And just like with the running backs. Uh, just a general update of the position. Hopefully, I will do better than one for three. I think, Matt, I've, I think I've done okay. I did spell some names incorrectly, uh, but that doesn't count. Uh, they're here. So, gone for Louisville is C.J. Avery, uh, which we are all very sad about that. I'll insert sad music here. Uh, leading tackler for the last, what, three years for Louisville football? Feels yep. like he's played for eight. Yeah, um, an animal. He should be in the NFL, man. I'm still very disappointed that he didn't end up making any of the rosters. I thought Mm -hmm. he was good enough. But you lose Jack Figo. I had that extra year to come back, but decided not to use it. Zay Peterson uh, and Nick Okiki, two guys who um, were either fringe role players or or really were more uh, depth guys. Both have transferred off to uh, smaller mid-major programs. Um, And I think this is a a position group where Louisville kind of – they lost several guys, right? So I just mentioned – C.J. Avery, Jack Figo, Zay Peterson, Nico Kiki But I think that that overall they got better uh, with what they bring in and what they return. It's kind of that uh, addition by subtraction, right? And that mm-hmm. that's a popular saying. I'm never good at being able to nail down phrases here, but I think that that one actually works. Uh, returning, they had Yasir Abdul-Amani Montgomery, uh, Devo Jones, uh, and Marvin Dallas, Ben Perry, K.J. Cloyd, all guys who played outside of Ben Perry last year. We'll get into Ben here in a few seconds. Uh, because he'll be an important part of the linebacking core this year. And I want to also make sure I I kind of – with how we do this, right, the defensive line, you can often include that edge rusher as a defensive lineman for the sake of just the position and how they're listed here. Yasir Abdullah and uh, Marvin and Dallas, the guys that fall on the card and the dog side will be listed as linebackers versus defensive linemen. So um, I just want to make sure I clarify for housekeeping purposes. Uh, And then there's a couple of depth pieces that come back. Got Young guys, Jalen Alderman obviously uh, had the big play last year against Central Florida. Uh, Alan Smith, Cam Wilson are two outside linebackers at that dog position who uh, have been kind of talked about this off season. Uh, and then TJ Quinn and Jackson Hamilton are two redshirt freshmen from last year. Um, and then incoming, this is where it gets kind of interesting. Momo Sanogo comes in from Ole Miss, a guy who was a, a four or five year starter for them, but didn't have a great year last year. Nicario Harper is an FCS all American that comes in from Jacksonville state. And I want to say this now, because I, I apologize. He is the least talked about transfer this off season. And we, on this show, we've barely talked about him um, and he should be talked about more often. And I think that he is going to be a much more important part of this, this defense than what people are kind of giving him credit for events. So go ahead hop uh, in here.
2: You're not feeling a TJ hole 2.0.
1: Uh, well,
2: that's All a good question that's a good question uh, that's a good question that's
3: a very that's a very good call out there
2: yeah and mm-hmm. and Vince that's a good
1: one that's a little stab at me because you know that I really have enjoyed talking about T.J. Hull over our time here because I've always wanted the neck pad linebacker to do really well for <laughs> Louisville and he, he, he did
2: good during the bowl game I mean shoot Doran Doran Etheridge gets thrown out of the game and we got to throw T.J. Hull in there that bowl game was just like the perfect senior you know go out on a high That's note right. Devontae Pete score <laughs> right. and yeah so. yeah and
1: then you got Popeye Williams who I think uh is extremely important to call out here because I think we've seen over the last few years Louisville's top freshmen or Louisville's you know top couple of freshmen have either one not ever enrolled or showed up to campus within the recruiting class that they're supposed to or two have really found themselves in more depth or red shirt roles we've not seen a ton of guys kind of pop uh especially on the defensive side of the ball Ashton is an example of one that did last year as a freshman but Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've really seen too many freshmen stand out within this Louisville defense uh, over the four years that Satterfield has been here. But Popeye Williams is a guy uh, from a size length height standpoint. He's really got the opportunity to to earn some playing time A 4 star linebacker edge rusher out of Indianapolis. Uh, So let's start here with this guys. Here's the question. I'll just like I did with the last one. I'll open this up to the group. What's the bigger deal for Louisville football? Adding a guy who's a plug, a plug and play for CJ Avery like Momo Sinogo who can step in. You talk about the the lineage. You go from Dorian Etheridge, CJ Avery, now to Momo Sinogo. You've got guys, and I know CJ Avery and Dorian played together, so you could do Dorian Demani. But the linebacker position has really turned over well for Louisville over the last couple of years. They've had guys ready to step right in who are ready to play. So what's the bigger deal? Louisville adding him or Monty Montgomery being back fully healthy for for that defense next year. Uh, whoever wants to jump in, go right ahead.
3: I think personally that um, as good as I think Momo is and as big of an addition he is and as much as the coaching staff has raved over his leadership and I think he's going to be a massive piece and it's going to be a nice transition from C.J. Avery, Monty Montgomery being fully healthy this season would be a bigger deal, I think. Uh, you bring back that institutional knowledge of being in the program for several years, um he is a much more versatile piece I think uh he's he does everything well I mean he'll get you he's all over the field he gets, he gets you tackles he can rush the quarterback uh he's decent in coverage like the guy is a very versatile piece in the middle of that defense um I just think it was a massive deal to get him back healthy and I hope he is fully healthy and ready to roll this year uh, Momo is going to be massive love him but if you told me I had to choose between the two, I think I'd take Monty.
2: I I agree with you for sure. I Getting Monty back is probably, you know, the biggest thing of the defense, getting him and Trey Clark back. Uh, what I'm yeah. expecting, I think Momo is more of an upgrade over Dorian and kind of over CJ. We haven't really had a linebacker that shoots the gaps very well on yeah. the run game uh, since probably like Keith Kelsey, Stacey Thomas, those guys. Uh, James Burgess, you know, guys that are gonna, you know, shoot the gap, get a good TFL instead of stuff. I feel like that's what we were yeah. kind of missing with them. They were just a click too slow, or you know, that's why you see running backs get two or three yards instead of oh, we smacked them on their side of the ball, and you know, it might just be a one yard loss. Uh, the guy I'm Momo, yeah. With, yeah, I'm expecting Momo with that SEC speed to just be flying through gaps and you know, a lot of TFLs.
0: You know, honestly, yeah. I actually agree with you guys, but to just be a contrarian, I'm just going to go with uh, adding Momos, the bigger deal, just because, you know, variety is the spice of life. But in all seriousness, throughout the entirety of fall camp, anytime Momo is brought up, whether that be by a coach, by a player, the first things out of their mouth n- isn't his on-field uh, ability, which there's plenty of it. I mean, he came from the SEC, but they talk about his leadership and how much of a leader he he was coming in and how much of a leader he has become ever since he stepped on campus. Like he's the perfect guy to be the middle of the defense. I mean, we hear quarterback of the defense is the middle linebacker all the time. And Momo is that guy. Like he is the perfect leader. And, and plus he's now, if what he says is true, hundred percent healthy from the two kind of health issues he's been dealing over the past couple of seasons, which is why, In 2020 and 2021, he was somewhat limited because he had an ankle injury. He broke his ankle, I think was the second game of the 2020 season. And he had, I believe, a shoulder injury dealing with that, that both are now 100% behind him. He's feeling 100% healthy. And this is a guy who in 2019 in the SEC had 100 plus tackles. He is the perfect stopgap from C.J. Avery to the uh, whatever the linebacker future is there was going to be huge drop-off whenever CJ ever left because he led the program in tackles for three straight years. It doesn't happen a lot, especially, and he was consistent in the middle. He had a little, Avery had a little bit of a slow start, but he really came into form to down the stretch and it's hard to replace something like that. Momo is the guy to replace that, to kind of help the guys below him and Monty kind of get more reps, get more experience so that when Momo goes, they'll be ready to step into a starting role. Because I don't think now guys like KJ Cloyd, Jalen Alderman, Debo Jones might be a little more ready for that starting role considering he was kind of thrust into that position last year when Monty got hurt. But there is a big drop off. No offense to Debo, but there's a big drop-off in talent going from CJ to Debo. There's not much so going from CJ to Momo, and that allows everyone else in that linebacker room to get ad experience, add weight, add reps, whatever has had uh, say you until it's time for him to move on.
1: I don't know what the professional future for Monty Montgomery looks like being at 5'11", 215, or mm. whatever he plays at uh, size-wise now. But what I do know... Uh, and what sticks in the back of my head is recording for several months with Gigi Robinson, former Louisville football defensive lineman, and him telling me that Monty Montgomery is the fastest defensive player he's ever seen in his life. I like that sticks in the back of my head. And when you talk about last year, him going out and what you're missing with a linebacker who can move like a like a running back is a guy one who can tackle right who can get downhill who can blitz who can uh get into the backfield and have tackles for loss which is obviously a big part of what louisville wants to do with uh those quick undersized linebackers uh but also the ability to spy quarterbacks which is there a game maybe last year late in the season where louisville was really missing a spy is is there one game we can kind of circle nope can't
2: think of it already forgot (laughs) right that game gonna happen (laughs) Point being, I don't know
1: what you're talking about. You know, offenses aren't going to be able to run against Louisville with Monty on the field as much from the quarterback position. Um, You know, Monty has. Shown over the years that he's not the greatest cover linebacker. There's definitely work to do there. He's not always the most disciplined in terms of Monty can be like a golden retriever and see what he's <laughs> supposed to do, but also see a flashy <laughs> ball out of the corner of his eye and decide I that that's what he wants. We got that about.
2: vibe uh, whenever we had him and Brock on, and uh, asked him if he was going to get back to his JUCO plan days where he just kind of ran around and did his own thing. He alluded, uh, you, "You know what? I, you know I'm going to do my thing, Coco." <laughs> Right, And that's what makes him great. He's an improviser. But
1: um, what he brings to this defense is um, invaluable and it does something that's more important than anything statistically can show. And that is unlocking Yasir Abdullah. And what I mean by that is if you go back to some of the episodes we did earlier this offseason, people talked about Um, how Yasir Abdullah would get to the quarterback before they even could get their first hand on an, on an offensive lineman, like this guy by himself, there was no other proven commodity blitzing at any given point last year. Yes. Ashton had four sacks, led the defensive line, but it was Yasir Abdullah getting to the quarterback or nobody and still did that. So imagine a healthy Monty Montgomery, who can come sliding behind a Jermaine Lole, blocking up those, you know, those gaps and get back there and get sacks. It really changes the dynamic of the pass rush for Louisville. And I think the reason why I think personally, and we'll get into this in a couple of weeks, fellas, uh, from a prediction standpoint, why I'm going to predict Louisville is going to win nine football games is because of the pass rush. They are finally going to be able to get after the quarterback. And it's not just Yasir. Yassir can do it. Obviously, we talked about the defensive line last week, Vince. But it's guys like Cam Wilson. They've had two years in the program. Guys like Popeye Williams who come in with all the intangibles, just fresh pups out there who they say, pin your ears back and go get the quarterback. It's just going to do completely different things than what they had for the final stretch of the season last year. And if Monty's healthy, you know, I don't want to say one person changes your win total by that much, but I think Louisville wins at least one or two more games. Uh, You know, you're talking about, right, I don't think that's unheard of. Uh, um, and yeah, so I mean, I this agree. year, Monty just unlocks Yasir Abdullah, and that transitions me into what is my favorite talking point in any episode, and that's Yasir Abdullah, because he is my favorite pass rusher in Louisville football history. I absolutely love watching the guy play. He is a human missile. It is not fair that I was not shaped like that. Like, I, I often pray, <laughs> God, why did I not get Yasir Abdullah body? Um, you know, because it's it's unfortunate that I, I'm built like a pair and not a refrigerator. Uh, but Yasir Abdullah <laughs> is going to get after the quarterback, and uh, Dave, that's got to excite you, right? I mean, that really changes what the defense can do when you talk about a healthy secondary, a healthy defensive line, and then these linebackers that can absolutely get after the backfield. Well, it's you talk about
3: Monty unlocking Yasir, and I feel like we've been talking about on on the show how Jermaine Lowellick and a strong nose tackle kind of makes the entire defense work. I think that whole middle section with what Jermaine Lolle brings and then what Monty can do, I mean, what we talked about, you know, he's he's just so solid in the middle. He spies a quarterback better than anybody else on that roster. Uh, he can rush the passer a little bit from the middle. Like Just to get any of that extra pressure up the middle just makes it so much harder to cover the rest of that defense. And with a guy who's so – Gifted, you know, like it it all kind of fits into place. Like you said, it unlocks the defense. Jermaine Lowley makes the job easier for Monty Montgomery. Monty Montgomery makes the job easier for Yaseer Abdullah. Uh, Ashton Gulati and Yaya Diaby, both putting on weight uh, and becoming more substantial pieces on that defensive line, do the same thing, you know. And then we talk about being able to bring in a Cam or a a Popeye behind Yaseer, or maybe even playing him at Play him the
2: together. Time. That's that's what right. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I, I hate
3: to cut you step. off I was thinking about that all no, day. But that's, like
1: can they play together? That's what like, that's
3: what that's what we've been talking about. Like I would love to see some of these specialists get on the field on third down with Yasir and see them try to block Yesir and Popeye or Yasir and Cam, you know, like it just yes. really yeah. start throwing some some Tense pressure. And I feel like we're what we good were supposed to get. That's what we were sold on from the start was this yeah. unique pressure. And I think we're good enough on the back end now, but we have the talent. We have the pieces that we can kind of, we can, we can bring a little bit more pressure and we can feel good about leaving, you know, the, 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 the five DBs back there on third down to fend for themselves. Cause we think we're going to get to the quarterback in two and a half seconds. Anyway, you know, like it's just, Having these coaches be able to be confident enough to call the defense the way it's supposed to be called is what I want to see because I feel like they haven't had that at any point in the last three years. Am I wrong? Like, is that what it feels like to me? No. And it feels like we finally have the horses, uh, notably this linebacking core, to finally call the defense the way it's supposed to be and call it confidently. And I can't wait to see what these guys look like together.
2: The, the thing that you see is really going to have to be like looking out for this year. And like, it, like you've been talking about, Dave, it's just going to complement the rest of the defense is, I mean, he's going to be getting chipped by tight ends and running backs yeah. the entire game. So that's something yeah. with him that he's not just going to have to say, all right, I'm going to, you know, speed rush, dip my shoulder and get past this guy right here. Like he, he's going to have to be, a smarter football player and really start to be playing chess. And I think that's really where we're going to possibly unlock a different Yasir Abdullah and him start to climb these draft rankings is uh, once they see all these different things that he can do on that pass rush and getting, getting out there and uh, covering some people too in pass coverage.
1: Yeah. I think the, the Yusir Abdullah professional thing, it's much like kind of CJ Avery, some of these guys that are undersized, he's six, one, two 42. he's going to have to play in a three, four in the NFL level. He is not a hand in the dirt defensive end at the next level. Um, He's a more of a a, a specialized, uh, you know, pass rusher. But I wonder, you know, one thing that you you see with guys coming back a lot of the times is they get promises from their head coach or the the coaches want to emphasize using them in other places to kind of help their draft stock. And it does make you wonder Could we see Yasir in other places this year? I mean, I know, obviously, we've seen him on third downs with his hand in the dirt, but could we see him inside sometimes? I mean, is that a spot where he could play in the NFL? I think so. Um, You know, it's things like that that may not benefit the defense as a whole in terms of making them better, but it does help give them more tape and kind of show versatility. Uh, But one thing I want to ask before. All all those notes, and I'm not saying it's the same thing, were
3: all the same things they said about Elvis when he was coming out. I mean, carbon copy. You know Elvis was a freak though his arms were he had he was five eleven and a half, maybe five eleven and his arms were like six, six what eight, I did not know that that like six yeah. yeah it's ridiculous he had incredibly long arms um and he was you know multiple inches shorter than me i'm I'm a shade under six two and he was probably um three inches shorter than me something like that he was yeah. not a tall
2: guy. And really what, was his, what was his program height? Because that's what we all go off of. I mean, I'm technically <laughs> six, foot.
3: I think at I think at Louisville his program height was six foot.
1: Um That
2: sounds about right for us, six foot I,
3: guess. I mean, and he he I, was about five he was about five eleven. He
1: played he played four three and three four in the NFL, right? He played in a couple of different He played games both. Where... He played both. He played outside linebacker yeah. and he put his hand yeah. in yeah. the base. Yeah, well, he look, did it, both. It, it, my, I guess my point is the, the NFL is obviously kind of shifting towards these specialty, smaller linebackers. You see here is For sure. look, I have been saying since the day he stepped on campus, that the kid is special just in terms of his speed, height, athleticism, smarts in terms of what he does on the football field. He's got a special combination Uh, But the NFL scouts are going to want to see numbers, which I think he can put up, but also, you know, him in a couple of different spots, considering that he is smaller. Okay, uh, real quick. I don't want to cut anybody else off, but I want to give Vince, I want to do a Vince lesson here. At some point we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll segment this, but this is a Vince lesson. And Vince, I would like for you to, to explain to our audience and to me, because I'm asking for you to explain this to me like I'm five. What's the difference between a hard linebacker and a dog linebacker? What are the differences? What does a linebacker need to do in each spot to be successful? Just give the audience just a quick breakdown of what each of those positions is meant to be and what they do. So
2: your dog's probably going to play the short side of the field, be more your pass rushing kind of guy, your Devontae Fields, your see your Bulas, James Hearns. Uh, guys like that, and the card's going to be like your cover guy, where you know Jack Figo, uh Marvin Dallas, uh, trying to just think of some other guys sure. off the top of my head. It's more like a glorified safety. So it's the a- thing, but the thing with that car position is you have to be able to cover and be able to set an edge, which a lot of times if you're moving a safety like Ben Perry down, you know I'm personally. A little skeptic on how much. Yeah, you don't want him getting con- Chucky. How much he wants contact? You don't is want him getting Chucky a- Williams on the edge, man. You don't want. Yeah, that yeah. Is to set the edge on a tackle that's you know trying to reach him and you know take us outside? Is, is he going to be able to do that? Is he going to have enough ass to set the edge on that and uh, make the play mm-hmm. come back? Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? <laughs> what do you mean by
1: that? Enough what? ass? Is that what you said?
2: Yeah. If, is he going to have what's enough ass? Yeah. I mean, what's
1: that measure? What's
3: The like, I missed that. It's like,
2: is he you know, does he weigh enough?
3: Oh, okay, you never it's heard not, that? Not, can, he, can't, can he set the edge, man? That's
2: <laughs> it, yeah, dude, that's that's what it's all about, baby.
1: Yeah, no,
3: I gotta go get
2: moved.
1: I didn't realize the dumper was kind of the, so, like, the
2: equation setter there. A, a guy like Yasir, you have no question on him setting an edge. So his dumper size is okay. Yeah. So, Vince,
0: are you saying <laughs> he's you got a, has a big
2: dumper? <laughs> he's got a dumper, that's what he's Vince is
3: saying.
0: Y'all are terrible.
2: <laughs> terrible. Look, terrible I love a, terrible.
3: that, yeah, I love that right. Chucky breathe. Williams out here catching strays still from y'all, man. Leave that man, leave yeah, that man alone. Leave he Chucky did his alone. Job on that play. He, Chucky did his job on that play, and nobody came behind him and cleaned that tackle thank up, you, and Dave. you all damn
2: well thank know you, it. No, I'm fault. sitting over here defending Chucky this whole time I've been on this show. You know, I'm just catching well, thank, bullets he's, and he's arrows. football. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's right. That's the core of our Jesus show. That's the ultimate argument.
1: He made him look like shit. Okay. He did his job. That's, I mean, honestly, though, if I played football, that's what I would look like is Chucky e. Williams. So it's funny for me because at his worst moment as a football player, I have a slight comparison. Okay. But otherwise, no, we don't belong in the same yeah. room. Okay. Right. That's the funny part. I think. I'm All sorry. Right, so so I'm I sorry see- you
2: weren't good at football, <laughs> Jacob. I'm sorry. Oh, man. I said all of that up to ask big perry
1: marvin dallas nicario harper what what do they need what does that card position need to be this year um obviously the last two the last you know few years of scott satterfield's uh tenure they've had veterans in that spot this is the first time where you'll have a young guy but you've had rajay burns your cornerback turned linebacker um which, ex- explain that in 30 years. I think that'll be a fun game, how your cornerback played linebacker. Explain, explain why your linebacker was returning punt. <laughs> that's, that's probably the team. only one ever. <laughs> what, is, is it just Ben Perry because he's a four-star recruit who had a Notre Dame offer? Is it Marvin Dallas? Because, Dave, I don't know if you've listened to the show in the past, but we had a we had a, a noise signal for Marvin Dallas throughout the 2021 season whenever he would have a Marvin
3: Dallas alert. Fight. That's Day. right. A, it was a, Day. Marvin Day. A, a Marvin Dallas alert.
2: Marvin Dallas
1: alert.
0: Yep.
3: Yeah. You know, every single time that I uh, – you guys are familiar with Fifth Element, right, movie?
0: Yes. You've seen it, or are you all too young? I don't know.
2: I'm too young. I know I, what you're talking about, you're I don't know young. if I've
0: I, seen I, it. I, I have seen it. It's been a while, but I've seen it. Okay.
3: Well, the girl, the Fifth Element, Lelou, she always says, Lelou Dallas Multipass, and she shows her Multipass. So every damn time – I don't know <laughs> why my brain Dallas does this shit, Every single time. <laughs> They say Marvin Dallas. I say Marvin Dallas multipass every single freaking time, and I can't do anything about it. My brain is broken, and that's just how it is. So, oh, I don't know. We all have
1: our own things with Marvin Dallas. I think that what that the what it boils down to is we all see a guy who is he's a football guy, right? Didn't he win our football guy award last year in the freakies I think in the so. off season?
2: It's I a guy so. you could
1: put him at at wide receiver, at running back, and he may not be great, but he's going to make a play that pops right so it's like one play for every five plays that don't pop but he's a highlight he'll, maker. Pop, he'll pop some pads every once in a while baby
2: yeah he will. i mean
1: every time he was on the field louisville was faster they looked bigger they looked stronger he's a guy i don't know maybe you just put him out there to intimidate but um i i felt like he was a, a shoe in for pos- this position because of his multi-pass ability and now <laughs> you know you get ben perry And it's hard to compete with a guy who comes in with a lot of hype, needs to see the field. Uh, Ben Perry doing well helps with recruiting, in my opinion, uh, because he was Louisville's top signee, what, two years ago, year and a half ago? 2020, yeah. Yeah, so you're talking about a guy who needs to play well uh, for Louisville. But this is the position on defense I would say I'm the most worried about. I mean, in secondary, they've got guys, but it's, you know, they've had a lot of questions. But this position, you really have no one that's proven. I mean, Marvin Dallas is a proven – secondary player, but is he a starter? I don't know. Vince, you always talked about, I respect your football acumen, obviously, uh, but you always talked about his ability, much like Monty to just see something and want to attack it, whether that's the right play or not.
2: Yeah. And a lot of times with the outside linebacker, that's going to bite you in the ass a lot more than an inside linebacker. Cause you'll see that outside linebacker, particularly in the position that they play having to either carry number two or take number two into the flats, which if you bite on a run, that's an easy, out route completion vertical completion that's where you see those breakdowns and you're like oh what the hell happened well Marvin was supposed to carry him or Ben Perry didn't you know take number two on an out route I, I with those two guys in particular in particular I want to see you know I want to see if Ben Perry has the capability to set an edge and get pass rush and because I know he can cover he was a former safety he's going to be able to cover those guys no problem because you know playing that outside so linebacker position is basically like pulling the safety down into the box. And then with Marvin, I want to see if Marvin has discipline with his eyes to be able to get, be trusted at that car position, like Jack Pagot was uh, covering people with routes. We know how freakish of an athlete he is, but that's cute and all you can be as freakish of an athlete as you want, but if you're not going to play within the defense and, you know, cause for these mishaps to happen, then what's the use of it? So that's kind of what yeah. I want to see out of either one of those guys with whoever's on the field. And I wouldn't be surprised having a third-down package with having damn Popeye's ass out there and you see her, and confusing the hell out of some offensive linemen with some pass rushers with those two-plus Monty.
0: And don't count on Nicario Harper either because he's probably – now I know that the defense over the last couple seasons have just preached versatility – day in and day out they want even if all... it hurts them right even if it yes. hurts we
1: saw last year we don't need to name names but we saw a player just to play most multiple, multiple i'll name him i mean <laughs> i was trying to i said on the last episode <laughs> yeah but we saw you know they talked about all offseason and this is the point about the off season that sucks is you can have a coach say anything and then the the, the game start and you see very quickly that's not a good idea they talked all off season about Chandler Jones being able to play free safety. And my God, if we ever see that again, I might quit. I might quit. It was bad. He was oh, bad buddy. everywhere, uh, but definitely safety. So the versatility thing is great, Matt, but if it doesn't work out, you got dudes not playing in the spot. They should be playing in.
0: That That's fair. But at least with Nicario now, th- now granted, this is at the FCS level. It's not FPS, but he was still an FCS all American. And this is a guy who can play free safety. He can cover. He can play in the box. He can. He has shown some semblance of a pass rush. Not much just because he was spent most of his reps playing at safety down at Jacksonville State. But he he can be someone who can come up, kind of play run support. So I'm 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 kind of curious to see how he's used because this is a guy who on the official roster is listed as a linebacker. But on the preseason depth, depth chart, he's, he's the backup safety. free safety. <laughs> So he, yeah. he can be used in a whole bunch of different places. So I I kind of hope that he settles on card because that allows him to be as versatile as he can be and not just kind of be bounced all around the defense. Like, oh, you go free safety, you go corner. Oh, you, you kind of play some uh, uh, on dog or something. I I hope he kind of takes on a little bit of a role at card. Maybe starter, maybe a backup, but I'm hoping that if he's as versatile as he says he is, he can, be a meaningful factor on the defense
1: yeah look he's a guy that this offseason like i said before we've not we just haven't talked about him enough uh to the point that he spoke with the media this weekend if i'm not mistaken that's his first form of media i've seen all offseason i mean tyler hudson momo Sinogo, quincy riley they've all done media hits they've done tv interviews so hopefully you know nicario harper is seeing what's happening and kind of internalizes that for the season because i know we we've we talked about where he came from, but you know, again, in this defense, you you get a guy in a situation where all you ask them to do is okay. On third down, we just need you to do this on second down. You just got to do this. And it's, that's how they're successful in the system this year. So it's interesting to see how they'll contribute Uh, any closing thoughts on the linebackers, anything uh, that stands out, anything you're worried about, I'll kind of open the floor back up here.
0: Please God, no injuries. Seriously. I mean, I can't do
1: any more
2: of these season-ending injuries. Dave, what are you nervous about with these with this linebacking group?
1: Honestly, I feel
3: really good about the the linebacking core overall. You know, knock on wood, save injuries. If you had to isolate one, I just I need, as we just spoke about a minute ago, I need somebody in that card position that feels as comfortable inside the box as they do outside the box because we have a couple of converted safeties. You know, that tends to be the type of player that that we get in that position. And as you said, we need somebody who's got the ass to set the edge and feels as comfortable inside the box as they do outside the box. And that's, I'm hoping between those three guys and and you think it's going to be Ben Perry, but between those three guys, one of them really takes that position by the reins and just, and just controls it. And we're not looking at, at musical chairs, you know, obviously there's going to be reps and everything, but I want somebody to look confident and take that position from the beginning of the season that's my only
1: we're going to move into our final segment of the show fact or fiction not an original concept here but we're going to make this our own on from the pink seats podcast uh and we'll do this linebacker and running back style so uh this is the the fact or fiction uh dumper edition the guys with the big butts okay <laughs> All right, let's start at the top here. Yesir Abdullah surpasses his sack total from 2022. Matt, we're going to start with you on this one, okay, buddy?
0: Gee, I wonder why.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 do, I know that uh, – I think it was Wednesday. Your article was the topic of discussion on the morning and e- afternoon radio shows for ESPN. Little and, Boy. And, and let me just I say this. Hold on real quick. Hold on, Let me say this. I love when they talk about Matt McGavick on the radio. I love it. I can't get enough of it because I – yeah, big head. His his head couldn't get any bigger, but it was as big as could be.
0: I'll I'll say this. It was a bold predictions piece <laughs> for a reason. My God. Yes. Well, could it be possible? Yeah. And I could sprout wings and fly out of my apartment building. Scientist Dave, You're might not hoping your case. Yeah, yeah. Scientist <laughs> yeah, Dave
1: yeah. has thoughts about whether you can grow wings, man. I don't think that's happening. All right, Matt, but I'm going to assume you you say it's fact that he surpasses his sack total that which is ten in 2021.
0: Oh yeah, uh, it, it, like we've already discussed before, he's going to have help from all the other people in the front seven, kind of eating up blocks, will make way for him to get more free to the backfield. I I think this is an easy fact.
1: Yeah. Okay, Dave. What about you, man? You Abdullah surpasses his sack total of ten from 2021. I
3: am going fact with that one. I think that he surpasses the 10. I think he falls short of the 20 and Matt so boldly predicted. <laughs> I gotta tell you, Matt, I appreciate like normally when people do bold predictions, it's some weak ass shit. Yeah, you know, it's like, I, you know, a bold prediction, uh, you know, Malik Cunningham throws for 20 touchdowns. You're like, well, that. That's not very bold. He did that last year, year yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, Louisville wins uh, six games. Like, all right, hey, way to go out on a limb, you know. Like, I awesome. Uh, Matt was like, oh, everybody's uh, we get four Heisman finalists, you know, and that's, that's what I like to hear, you know. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> your steer's gonna have thirty sacks, and Scott Satterfield's gonna win the presidential nomination. Uh, you know, like that's just I just uh, I love your spirit, Matt, and I appreciate. Uh, you know, that you actually went for it when so many people are cowards in the fourth uh, in writing industry. Yeah, Matt, <laughs> you're going to do it.
1: it. Look, Matt, I get it. You need the clicks. It was worth it, I'm sure. You got the clicks on that one and uh, a it, lot of people disagree with you. I got to say it, this though real it, quick. It, it was cool. a good clicks day. <laughs> I ben, will say that. <laughs> Jokes on those people who clicked on it. Uh, a couple of years ago, that- back when, back in our old day, when Presley and I ran the Big Red Louie, we did a bold predictions piece every year. And Vince, you'll love this, man. This is this is just right up your alley. And, and talk about weak predictions, right? Everybody's like, Louisville win the ACC. Louisville's going to do this. Presley Meyer, my 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 cohort of the state of Louisville, said that Isaac Martin was going to become the next standout walk on. That was his bold prediction, and I will never forgive him for that. I love Isaac, but out of all the things you could predict, I just will never understand why that. The one I I love, I I love (laughs) Isaac, but
2: Presley has never seen that man try and catch a football. He is. (laughs) (laughs) I I love love my boy to death, but uh, stone stone hands. I'm gonna They're also. Bold.
3: They're bold yeah. predictions for a reason, <laughs> right? My bold, bold. prediction exactly. is two
2: touchdowns by Isaac Martin on the season. That is my bold prediction. There you go. Love my that. My bold
3: prediction is that I'm gonna win the New York City Marathon next year. You know as, um, <laughs> what we're doing? What are the odds on that one? That's I might dramatic. throw on it.
1: Yeah, like Matt said, <laughs> it's bold because it can't happen, but it may. Uh, all right. Um, yeah. I love- I'm going to go, I'm going to go fact on this. I, I think Louisville's is going to have more sacks overall than they did last year. I think Monty's going to have more. I think that there's a chance year could like finish with eight, nine and still have as good of a year as he did last year because of other opportunities. But I'll, I'll go for the, the fact of semantics here and, and I'll say fact. Uh, Vince, I think you're the last one, buddy. What do you got? Fact or fiction?
2: Uh, just to be different, I'll go fiction. Okay, and is that because of what I just said? You like, my yeah, reasoning? essentially, they're probably okay. shape so. You agree with me, even though I did They're gonna chip him. They're gonna, you know, sure. double team him. So provide more one-on-one opportunities Ooh. for Ashton and Jermaine.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so agree with the guy that didn't play football. Got it. Noted. Um, okay, all right. Let's move yeah. on to the next one. Uh, Louisville has at least one back go over a thousand yards. Dave, I, I think you answered this earlier, but I'll start. With, I'll start with you. Louisville has one back factor fiction that goes over a thousand yards.
3: I'm going to go, I'm going to go fiction just purely. It's not a bad thing. It's just purely, uh, with the division of labor, you know, like there's just, nobody's going to get enough carries. I don't think, but if one is going to do it, I think it's Tyon Evans. And frankly, we'll know after a couple of weeks. I mean, if they, if he's really the, I just don't think they're going to have a bell cow. You know, I think that it's going to be the hot hand and, and there's going to be, uh, opportunities for all these guys to make an impact it's not like all five dudes are going to be involved all year. I mean, there's going to be two or three guys that, that get to the majority of the work. Um, but I just don't think anybody's going to, going to get enough to get a thousand. I could be wrong. And I think if I'm wrong, it's Tyon Evans, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was three running backs over 500 yards.
0: Okay. Matt, what about you, man? Fact or fiction? I hate to kind of just agree with him, but yeah, I mean, there's too many horses in the stable. I mean, every one of these like got the top four guys have, you You can make a case for them to start. I mean, I do think that Tyon Evans does take, does become like the default starter. I mean, starter is probably kind of stretching a little bit because a lot of these guys are going to get a lot of reps throughout the year, but I, if there's anyone that's going to get to a thousand yards, I honestly think it could be Malik again, because he's, he's already done it once. And I know they're trying to de-emphasize his legs, but I mean, if it's, if the, if the yardage is there, what else is he going to do? But I'm, I'm going to say fiction. No one's going to break a thousand yards.
1: Yeah. I'm going to also go with fiction on this one, but uh, I don't think it'll be Malik Cunningham. I'm hoping that when you ask that question of what's he supposed to do, that he reverts back to spring practice and does not run. Um, and if he does, it's because he's got a wide open field where he can go for 70 yards for a touchdown. Uh, I, I think there are guys who could go for a thousand yards. I think, Tyon Evans could Trevion Cooley could. Um, I don't think Jalen Mitchell or Jordan could. So I guess it's two out of the four. Uh, but I do think they're going to spread the carries around. I think you're going to see guys be used much more situationally, but if one goes over a thousand yards to be contrarian, I would go with Trevion Cooley. I think you're going to see him on the field a lot more than what people are kind of talking about right now because of his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield block, all those things. Um, We'll see, though. I mean, again, it wouldn't shock me if Jawar Jordan starts the first game and is the running back all year (laughs) long, right? I mean, that's just how it goes. Vince, what what about you? What do you think on that one?
2: Uh, I think – I'm going to go with fact on this. I think uh, (laughs) Evans will be the 1,000-yard guy. I think we'll get back to Sats days at App State where we had one one guy going for a 1,000 and another guy going for roughly – you know, 500-some, I think Evans will be the one to go for 1,000, and I think Cooley will be the one to go for somewhere around 500. But I think Jalen Mitchell will be number two on rushing touchdowns. Okay, I like that one. All yep. right, uh, next one. Momo
1: Sinogo is the team's leading tackler in 2022. Vince, I'll start with you first, even though you just went. What is Is he the leading tackler, or do you see somebody else? Nah, I'm going Monty Montgomery. Monty okay. Montgomery, <laughs> comeback
2: year. He's going to lead the team in tackles. This is his season. Breakup okay. Team.
1: Dave, what do you got, man? Fact or fiction
2: on
3: that one? Mm, I'm kind of torn on this one, between obviously, between Momo and, and Monty. Um, I'm going to go fiction. I think I'm going to side with Monty as well. I was torn on that one, though. It's a close one.
1: OK, I, I'll go next. I'm going to go fiction here and I'm going to go with Kendrick Duncan as the team's leading tackler. I think he was second That's last year.
2: That's a good uh, one. I,
1: we I know the last couple of years, linebackers have been le- been leading tacklers. But before that, it was Kane pass for a couple of years. We've had different safeties over time. Lead the team in tackles uh, just to be different. I'll go with Kendrick Duncan. He, I think he did finish second last year in tackles, um, which is, you know, first year, second year. You should be able to,
0: to be able to build on that. Matt, go ahead. Last one here. Factor. fiction. I'm actually going to go with fact and no, I'm not saying this to be contrarian. I'm not saying it to be Lachlan clean, but I mean, Momo is kind of taking over the linebacker role that CJ Avery was. And we saw what CJ Avery did the last couple of years. Now I'm not saying that they have the same exact skill set, but Momo has that sec experience. He covers exceptionally well. He knows exact. He has the leadership capabilities of trying to get everyone where they need to go. And not only that, but set himself up for success. So, and more often than not, the leading tackles either, like you said, the safety or the middle linebacker. And I, I love Monty. I don't think it's going to be Monty because he, when you look at the kind of the middle linebackers, Momo's kind of the one that sits back and pass coverage a little bit more, whereas Monty is the one that blitzes a little bit more. So I think the fact that Momo is going to sit back a little bit more, is going to give him more opportunities to kind of chase the ball carrier down and get the tackle. So I'm going fact, Momo's going to lead the team in tackles.
1: All right, we've got two more here, and then we will get out of here, wrap the show up. Dave, I'll start with you on this one. Jalen Mitchell is the odd man out in 2022. Fact or fiction? Um, I think he does too many things
3: well to be the odd man out. Um, so I'm going to say no. I think three guys are going to get significant work, and he's probably going to be one of them. I can understand the argument though, because Tyon Evans uh, seems to be able to do as long as he can pass protect, which I'm I'm not as familiar with his ability uh, as a as a uh, pass blocker. Um, I know what Jalen can do. Um, As long as Tyon can block, it's probably redundant a little bit between the two of them. But you know, uh, I think Jalen's going to get goal line carries. I think Jalen's going to get enough work to uh, to be a part of that rotation.
1: Vince?
2: It uh, kind of depends on how you define odd man out on that. Uh, right. Like I just said, I think he'll be the number two guy on touchdowns uh, when it comes to rushing game. Uh, but I don't think he'll get the most carries or anything like that by any means. But what I do think is that Jalen Mitchell is the glue, or p- at least part of the glue that keeps this whole entire ship moving in the right direction he's a leader he's a guy you could turn to as almost a captain figure uh he is somebody that you need in that room for them to uh, put the extra work in and to have success in the long run so i I don't really know if you'd call it an odd man out so i'm I'm just gonna go fiction on that
1: okay matt go ahead and wrap us up on that one what do you think factor fiction
0: I'm going to go with fact, and my rationale is that going back to the argument of how we're gonna how they're gonna spread the uh, the carries around, and a lot of it is going to have to do with who gets hot first. I we're all in agreement here that Tyon Evans is going to be probably the I don't want to say the number one back, but like the one A back of this offense, and. I think one B is probably going to be Trayvon Cooley because we saw what he can do in Spurts as just a true freshman last year. I mean, that man has superstar potential. He has wheels. He showcased a little bit of power, and he. We talked to him. I think it was last week, and he said that one of his focal points over the off season was working on his pass blocking because he straight up admitted that his pass blocking was terrible last season, and so that he. He worked on that and I think he's going to get faster, just all, all around better back. And I think by default, I think Jalen Mitchell is still going to do well. But I think with Tyon and Cooley having hot starts, that's gonna kind of, I don't wanna say shelve Jalen Mitchell, but kind of dock his carries a little bit compared to Evans and Cooley. Yeah, For me, it's it's fiction. He's not an
1: odd man out because he's the biggest back um, out of the group. And I think that with what Louisville struggled with last year, situationally with, uh, you know, short yardage situations, you need a guy like him who can run behind Brian Hudson, Caleb Chandler. Uh, give me some freaking eye form football with. Jalen Mitchell behind Isaac Martin or Dwayne Martin. And let's just go fucking ram the ball down the middle of a defense's throat. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm so I'll tired. You
2: 20 bucks. If they go out of formation,
1: I am so tired <laughs> of our running backs, not being able to score from a one yard line. Like it's, it's not even just sat, man. We did this through Bobby, Charlie's, de- his guy's never had issue with that. But for some reason, for the last like 10 years, no running back has been able to score from the one yard line.
2: We had up. some, we had some out formation stuff in Bobby's play. Yeah, I he wants I believe to see some in, big
0: 10 football.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he a, uh, run to win. That's when Stacy Thomas is freaking Give Clock. me a, one time. Give me a fullback named Vince Lacoco
1: blocking for Jalen Mitchell, and we're fucking <laughs> running the score up out here. Ten to three, baby. That's the final score of our football game. All right, last one. Monty Montgomery finishes on the first or second team, all ACC. Dave, I will start with you. I'll give you the honor of going first on our last one.
3: Fact, and here's why. I think that the main reason why we haven't had you know the recognition – on an individual level the last couple of years, you so just haven't had the wins. You know, you've got to win eight or nine games for your team. For a guy like, look, Malik has the same statistical season he had last year, but we win eight or nine games, and Malik is the first or second team all-ACC quarterback. I mean, that's that's how it works. You see Abdullah, we win eight or nine games, and he gets more, you know, postseason and preseason love. Um, same thing with Amani Montgomery. I think he's going to have a huge season. A huge bounce back year, and I think a lot of guys in this defense have potential to get some recognition this season. So I'm going to say fact.
1: Okay, Vince, what do you think, man?
2: I'm going fact as well. Uh, you know, I just think Monty is going to be one of the focal points this year. And like Dave said, it's all dependent on us winning ball games. I said it earlier on the podcast as well. If we're winning ball games, guys are getting more accolades. Guys are getting drafted more. Yep. We lose. You know, don't expect to have anything come your way, guys. Nobody eats. We lose.
3: Nobody
0: eats.
2: Yeah, right. Yep. Yep. Nobody eats. Matt, what do you think?
0: I'm going to go with fact, but it's not going to be easy because there's a sneaky good, sneaky deep crop of linebackers in the ACC. I mean, NC State alone has two first team caliber guys yeah. right now. Was it Peyton Wilson, Drake Thomas, yeah. I believe, are their names? Yep. I mean, Clemson's got They're some good, good backers with Trent with uh, Trent Simpson. Um, I know there's a couple other linebackers. They're going to challenge for a first or second team spot. But, I mean, Monty has the talent to be a first or second teamer. He just didn't have the opportunity last year because he he was hurt. Like, a lot of people were, like, alluding to Yasir, uh
3: getting snubbed on the preseason team. It's like, it wasn't a snub, man. It's just extremely deep with good talent. You know, it's both of those NC State linebackers, I mean, Peyton Wilson is an absolute nightmare. Like, yeah. those guys – are the turning first team all ACC type guys, yep. you know, they, they belong on the first team. It wasn't a snub. It's just a deep position. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And those, those are guys that the conference looks at their team and sees a team in NC state. That's exactly right there with Clemson or at least, you know, close to being able to at least talk about contending. Whereas Louisville, you know, you, you kind of get what you get. Like they said, you got to drop the nuts, man. It's time to go out there and drop the nuts and show that you can actually play football um, and win with the, the big teams. Because again, I I've said this every week for the last four weeks and it is what it is. This is the most talented team that Louisville has had in several years. And if the coach cannot win with this team, he cannot win with any team here. I will believe that until I see otherwise. And, um, and until he does that, the conference has the reason to kind of shit on Louisville players. I don't know if I answered, I, if I did, I'd just, I'd I, fiction. It's the ACC has never really been kind to Louisville in terms of putting guys up on that first team. I, what is it? I think two, is the only one Louisville's had since Scott's been here. That was first team. I don't remember how that's many there you gotta were. You got
3: to win the games and take
1: the honors, man. You got to
0: win that's the right. games
1: and make them. do yeah. yeah.
0: it. You play to win
2: the game. There it is. Yes.
1: All right. Well, that's going to wrap everything up here. On from the Pink Seats podcast, linebackers, running backs, the dumpers—that's what we've decided tonight. We'll determine the ultimate success of those positions. But Dave, thank you so much for lending your Friday night to this. I, I don't know what you're going to tell people this was, or, but it was a great time, man. We, we we definitely enjoyed it. Oh no, I had a blast, guys. I'm glad. I'm glad we got a chance to do it. It's been a great guest. We've really enjoyed being able to do this. We've got one more week left and then it is actual season. There's no more preview. It is season time next week. We will be joined by Roddy Jones of the ACC network to break down the pass catchers. Uh, And then we'll have a brief special teams discussion, just like we did last year. Number one question. Who's coaching the special teams? We'll find out, I guess, week one. (laughs) It's like Bobby Petrino and the starting quarterback in 2015. I don't know. We'll find out who's coaching the special teams week one. Uh, So make sure you tune in for that next week. Dave, but people know where to follow you. Anybody who's listening to us has uh, 100% of our audience is already following you. But if not, just the lone straggler who just wandered in here and is still trying to figure out what this is, where would they find you on social media? Uh,
3: They'll find me at at Biscuits. Oh, no, across uh, – that's pretty much – Twitter's pretty much the only one I use. So I won't even say across all uh, all the social medias. And Ben, yeah. uh, Jacob, you guys are invited to the tailgate. Matt, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it. Matt, he, uh, he's Appreciate got
1: it, press brother. conferences to attend. He's got to get to the press box at, at four <laughs> hours early.
0: He's worried about hey, that press box food. Be slapping. Those. I was
1: gonna say Matt's got to worry about the press box food. That's all his thing is. I'm like, uh, Matt, well, can you come out and meet me for a beer? No, they're getting ready to serve cookies. I can't. I, I like the <laughs> they're getting ready common. to serve People. cookies and popcorn. I know all about the cookies and popcorn at the stadium. Cookies are always hitting, and we will catch you next week here on From the Pink Seats podcast.